0: You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jags Den Podcast. As you all know, I am the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire brought to you by USA Today, James Johnson. And of course, you all know where you can find our content, jaguarswire.usatoday.com. So for today's episode, um, I might make it short um, because I'm going to be doing this one solo as Phil and Jacob have been busy paying those bills and working and grinding, which is totally understandable um and and I mean besides, I kind of been one to work on my solo uh podcastry, if you will, I guess if that's even a word, so you guys are stuck with me for today, but uh feel free to follow my comrades from the jaguars wire uh underscore j della for Jacob feel the Filipino fulfilled. Um, Also feel free to follow Jackson Freiberger, who has been helping out from UGA wire. And that's been much appreciated by him. Um, As you all saw, probably on the site, um, he helped me out with game day coverage. Very appreciative of that. And I look forward to working with him in the future, if that's what the future holds. Um, Also, you can follow us at the Jaguars wire for the Jaguars Wire official Twitter handle and at Jags Den Podcast for this podcast uh, official Twitter handle. Also, to listen to this podcast and archives, we are on uh, various interfaces, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in iheart radio spotify um and uh as as i said before we're gonna get on soundcloud uh, once i get some time and just set up on another account with that and of course you all know we are on the usa today audio boom network man that's a, a tongue twister all of that man i don't see how phil does that every podcast but shout outs to phil for doing that so uh before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of the show, or, or the meat and taters, as they call it in the South. Um, one thing I, I want to discuss, or should I say, address, is the recent Jacksonville mass shooting uh, that tragically happened uh, in the city of Jacksonville, downtown, at the landing at the uh, gaming bar there. Actually, not too far from uh, Everbank Field or TIAA Bank Field. I got to get used to saying that. As um, two young gamers were tragically and fatally shot in Taylor Robertson and Eli Clayton, um, otherwise known as True Boy in the gaming community. Robertson was named um, or his his gamer name was Spot Me Please with three Z's. Um, So condolences to the family. Of those two uh, gentlemen who just simply were, you know, just trying to make a living off of gaming, off of something we do uh, often as, as men and women, um, you know, as a as a everyday part of our life is just simply pl- sitting down playing some Madden, thinking nothing will come of it, and and having fun within each other and and our friends, whether it be online or you know gathering everybody up in person uh so that that was so unfortunate for that to happen um uh, you know being that gaming is something you know that we all can relate to something that we that brings us all together and and then this occurs sadly um so that being said like i said my condolences to the families of those two young men um as you all know the shooter also a competitive gamer Uh, identified as David Katz, uh, was the one who fatally shot them. Um, According to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, uh, Katz also um, fatally shot himself as well. And uh, those were the three, at least according to reports, according to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and Sheriff Mike Williams. Those were the three uh, that lost their lives in that situation. Um, so, you know, this this is just, as I said, a tragic event. Uh, prayers to Jacksonville as the city as well. I know a lot of our readers live in Jacksonville. I spend a lot of time in Jacksonville, as you all know. That's my second home. Phil lives there. Uh, so, you know, we, we do want to extend our hearts out to them. Uh, and that's the whole Jaguars wire family and in, in USA Today uh, for what went down there. And uh, this is something that you know as Calais campbell and and Shad khan have come out to say you know uh that this is something that is tragic uh yet something that should bring us closer together as people and and something that you know is is unfortunately happening happening too often and, and and you know we we were put on this earth as as uh, one of my twitter followers put it uh chef jag i think it is is you know we were put on this earth to love each other and and kind of take care of each other and 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 be there for one another and it seems like every time you turn on the news uh the opposite is happening and it's just sad and tragic so as a city jacksonville i just want to say we got to come together we got to stop the violence we got to do better and and i I think you know this is this is another one of those uh, unfortunate events that is telling of that so that being said Hearts out to Jacksonville hearts out to uh, once again, true boy uh, and his people and Robertson as well and his people. So now to uh, move on to some uh, more positive things, I guess if you will, well, I mean, actually, you know, I guess you can't say is is this part of it is positive either uh, as uh, of course the, the biggest news of the week uh, is of course the injury that occurred. Unfortunately, two Marquise Lee wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars um, I guess you could say he was regarded as the number one receiver and certainly the most experienced with Blake Bortles and, and um, that's been on the team uh, so That being said, as we all know, um, he he suffered a knee injury in which he suffered extensive knee ligament damage. They didn't really go into details on the extent of like if he tore ACL or he tore MCL or if he tore both. Um, But it it certainly looked bad. It looked gruesome. I mean, and, and one would think that, you know, both of those are very strong possibilities um, but Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, neither one of them really went into details on how bad it was. But they did go on to say that or at least Schefter went on to say that, of course, it was bad enough for uh, Lee to go on IR, of course. And he's going to. And and then Rappaport added that uh, Lee will go through surgery as a result of the injury. As, as we all know, the injury occurred Saturday. Demonte Kazi who is a cornerback uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. As I said, that's my second team. Um, don't get to follow him as much as I used to, uh, being that I cover the Jags, and the Jags on my primary team now. But, um, yeah, he delivered the blow to Marquise Lee's left knee, I believe it was. And, um, yeah, needless to say, he, he wasn't trying to hurt Lee. Um, and a lot of people have speculated, including myself, that this had more to do uh, with the new helmet rule and he he didn't want to hit Lee high and and get a penalty as a result so um he went low unfortunately his head was down it connected with the knee and, and it did a serious amount of damage to Marquise Lee but he's extended um you know his his uh hand out to Marquis Lee via Twitter uh you know apologize for it and and all of that good stuff it was it was a very classy message nonetheless but um you know that being said it, it wasn't intentional or anything like that. That stuff is going to happen uh with this new helmet rule, which, you know, that's something we'll talk about another day, or should I say another story for another time. But uh and unfortunately, you know, Marquise Lee's season was lost for a what we probably all agree is a meaningless preseason game, even though some coaches would disagree with that. And um, you know, this the preseason is just something I feel that we had either need to reduce or just cut out entirely, like they said on the Stephen A. Smith show. Um, I forgot who was it. I think it was Dan Um Grazio, if I'm not mistaken. I might be butchering his name. Please excuse me if I am. Uh but yeah, they were filling in on the Stephen A. Smith show. They talked about this and, and they are right, the Jaguars or, or the NFL needs to either just completely remove the preseason or just uh, reduce it to two to one games. Um, But I guess the issue, as they said, also on the Stephen A. Smith show is the NFL and um, the money hungry owners are, the, the problem is, like, they want to know where the money is going to come from if you remove those games, and they get good revenue off of those regardless as to how it looks on TV and how empty the stadium is and how, like – how unexciting the preseason is I mean yeah of course people are excited when it first starts because it's football you get to see your team in our case we got to see the Jags in their new uniforms we got to see all the work they were putting in in the first drive of of week one against the, the New Orleans Saints but after you see that it's like okay let's get on with the regular season you know like so like yeah of course that feeling there that football is back is you know, it's, it's there initially for the first or one or two drives or whatever when you see the starters. But after that, it's like, hey, like, you at that point, you're falling asleep with the backups and no disrespect. Um I mean, if you don't have a job like myself or, you know, don't cover the Jags like we do at the Jags, why are you? You really don't have a, a sense to watch the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that being said, like, it's just something that, really uh needs to be addressed in terms of the preseason because um like i said they the jacks lost marquise lee to a, a meaningless situation and not only that you know this is a guy from um you know from the team's perspective they just signed this guy for a lot of money and now he won't play a down for them as a result of a preseason game and furthermore you know you you've put this this young man in a situation where you know his career was in jeopardy over an exhibition game that really doesn't mean much so you know you they even you're putting the players at risk as well especially with this new helmet rule you know like i know they're trying to avoid concussions and all of that and, and neck injuries like ryan shazier's injury but At the same time, like now you're you're reducing the target box and now, you know, people are going to suffer from these ACL injuries and MCL injuries, unfortunately. And, you know, some might get mild sprains and, you know, some might quote unquote get off lucky and be able to return in the middle of the season. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself for what for a preseason game like it's it's meaningless. And you got to feel for Marquise, man. He's a guy that. You know, I don't know him personally, but every time I've gone to practice, he's always smiling, always, you know, hyping up the team, the receivers, always dapping up everybody. And, and he's like a, a he's just like this boat of energy, like he he, he keeps the the team going. And, and even like towards the fans, he's a guy that I've, I've seen oftentimes come over, dap up the fans, smile at the fans, talk to the kids, man, he's a good guy. And, uh, you know, it's just so unfortunate that this happened to him. But, you know, we wish Marquise all the best, wish that he will bounce back as soon as possible with a speedy recovery. And, uh, you know, next year we, we look forward to having him back and uh, seeing him doing his thing. So as for the next topic at hand, we're going to go into, um, you know, something related to marquise lee's injury and and this is this notion that a lot of people a lot of jazz fans have um actually brought up in that's bringing in dez Bryant, and of course i wrote about this gave my three reason reasons why he isn't a fit so i guess you could say like me talking about this on the podcast is redundant but then again like if you're somebody that listens to the podcast and don't go to the site which i guess that's a little backwards but you know to each his own um and we appreciate the listeners nonetheless. But um yeah, this is a situation that's been brought up often. Um, everybody know Dez Bryant, free agent, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, parted ways with them uh, this summer. Um, albeit it wasn't the the best breakup, but hey, you know he's a free agent now. Um, a lot of people have been calling for him being that uh, Marquise Lee was the Jaguars, I guess quote unquote, number one receiver, and uh you know a lot of people. Look back at what Dez has done in his career. I think he's a one time all pro or two time all pro, a uh, two time pro bowler. You know, he's a he's a guy with a decorated career, to say the least. Uh but the thing about Dez is, in my opinion, and I've talked about this in the article, but you know, that that's a no go for me. Okay. For for one the Jaguars were already deep at the receiver position. They were going to end up having to cut a very good receiver or put one on practice squad if they could even do that. So, I mean that if it was anywhere that they were prepared to take a hit, not that you want anybody getting injured, of course, but if it was any position, they could really take a hit. It was this one because they were deep there. You know, we were looking at, potentially Rashad Green not making this team, which is crazy because he's put in good work and he's a good receiver. Uh and and he's a guy that would with Lee in the equation was viewed as the number six. You know, so maybe even them cutting a guy like um Lazard or Shane Wynn or Jadon Mickens. But now that the Lee injury has occurred, of course those guys now have a um opportunity to come in at, at that number six spot because that that just moved uh my man Rashad Green up to the five spot after uh, you know, the preseasons he, he the preseason he's had. He bounced back in the Vikings game. Uh, you know, I think that shot him into the the it shot him into being the front runner, if you will, for the number six spot. And then after that, Lee gets injured. So he he bumps up to the number five spot. So that number six spot, which we're going to talk about later, uh, you know, it, it's, it's up for grabs and we'll see who will win that. But back to Dez Bryant, though, the, the Jags are deep at receiver. Um, but I, I think another reason that aside from the depth that this won't really work um, and, and for the people that really want him, you, you know, you kind of got to blame the quarterback situation for being one of the reasons that he's not a fit. And that's not to say he needs to be on this team to begin with, but I mean, yeah, not to, you know, throw dirt on Blake Bortles name or whatever. And I'm, I'm one of those guys, you know, for crying out loud, if y'all listen to the, uh, wait for it podcast that said the Jags are going to the Super Bowl, So, you know, to a degree, I believe in Blake Bortles and I believe in his team, but the, the national perception of Blake Bortles and the league-wide perception of Blake Bortles is that, that, you know, Hey, like this guy is a pig machine, not the most accurate guy, not the best in terms of ball placement. So from Des perspective, uh, from Bryant's perspective, you know, you, you got to consider he might look into that, that type of thing. And I say that because he's a guy that he has had opportunities to sign with other teams like, you know, the Ravens and Joe Flacco and them, um, as well as the Browns, uh, but he u- ultimately passed on him, and maybe that is because when you look at the common variable variable between those two teams, it's that they don't have elite quarterbacks. Maybe Dez is looking for an opportunity with an elite quarterback because he's he's kind of t- at the end of his career, if you will. He's twenty nine, so like this is going to be his last big contract, or or this is going to be a prove it deal that helps him to get that last big contract so that being said why not if you're gonna sign a prove it deal get with the best quarterback possible or the best quarterback available uh for you to get with um get on a one year prove it deal uh get with say per a brady or aaron Rodgers if that were to even you know if they were to even need des bryant you know i know eric decker recently retired so there's a notion that the patriots might be interested but I guess time will tell on that. But why not get with one of those guys um, and and help pad your stats, if you will, uh, and put together a good resume on a one-year deal. You know, do some some asinine type stats, like, you know, over a 1,000 yards, which Dez hasn't done in a long time, 10 touchdowns, something along those lines, so you can get you a big deal from the team uh, that maybe got you on a one-year deal or another team. So – I think that that might be something that Dez is looking at, and that probably is not going to happen with Blake Bortles. I mean, for, for I mean, for, for crying out loud, I don't think it's a possibility that uh, the Jaguars will have a 1,000-yard receiver this year. Even though, you know, Keelan Cole is a guy that has good chemistry with him, I wouldn't rule it out. That's what I'm saying. But at the same time, you know, it wouldn't shock me if the Jags didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver in, in the mix. And, and not only that, the Jags plan on, uh, and they, they've made this kind of, um, known that they want to do this thing by committee in terms of the wide right receiver position. So they're kind of going to rotate guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if they rotate, you know, uh, like Mike case said, um, Dante Moncrief with Keelan Cole, or, or should I say Dante Moncrief with DD Westbrook on at split in, um, rotate, uh, Keelan Cole who will start with Mike Creef uh with DJ Chart from time to time. So they're going to take a committee approach and Dez simply uh doesn't fit that. So I mean, aside from that, you know, like I was saying about Blake, you know, he he doesn't have the best reputation among players. Um Dez might not want to be a part of that uh because he is going to be looking for for, you know, probably the best quarterback available. And I mean like we shouldn't want that because what happens if, per se, Blake misses Dez on a wide open route that, you know, that could, you know, end up being a nice 50 yard gain or whatever the case may be. Or or he just flat out overshoots him in and doing uh, while he's running a route or whatever the case may be. Like Dez strikes me as a type. And I don't know Dez personally. So, you know, I, I don't I'm not trying to go there. But, you know, Dez is the type that might go on the sideline, go off on Blake, you know, go off on the offensive coordinator. And we don't need that. You know, we don't need that type of atmosphere. I think, you know, one of the things about Blake and and I'm not saying anything negative about Allen Robinson, but Allen Robinson was a guy that I think Blake felt bad for for missing when he was wide open. And and a a guy that Blake felt like he was obligated to, to feed, you know, like I got to get it to this man or he's not going to be happy. And I think Dez presents a similar situation and and that's especially not good because when Blake begins to force balls to receivers, it ain't pretty. But um, I I just think Dez is a guy that also, you know, you got to look at the fact that he hasn't been in summer camp or training camp with Blake. Um, and, and the other guys have, so, you know, there's the camaraderie and whatnot. And it's gonna, it would be very hard and, and a lot to ask of us to, to ask Blake to, you know, build that chemistry and build that camaraderie with, with Dez at this point of the season, you know, like it's, it's almost a little too late for that. So you, you would think like Blake and his chemistry with the current group of receivers, is, is what the Jaguars are going to roll with going forward. And you can't blame him for that. You know, he's been working with them all summer, all throughout the offseason. And Dez could throw a fork in that. So, in my opinion, I think what the Jazz just need to do is, um, to you know, to keep Blake comfortable and for Blake's sake, because that, clearly that's who they're going to roll with this year, is to to not even – Put him in that situation, and you would think like Blake's chances of succeeding are better with the receivers he do know. He does know, as opposed to the one he doesn't know. So you know, like like I said, not not bad mouthing Blake or anything, but like that's just a bad situation to even put him in. Um, especially considering that you know he has struggled at times with hitting receivers and whatnot. So, um, that being said, I highly doubt the Jags are gonna bring him in. And I'm talking to Brown Bryant here. Um, I, I know a lot of people are, are like, "Well, he he would make a good big 50-50 target or or what have you." But I mean, that's what they got Dante Moncrief for. And I know a lot of people make the. The statement that, hey, look, Moncrease always injured this, that, and the other. Okay, well, if you need a 50-50 receiver, then, you know, and, and Moncrease hurt, throw DJ Chark out there. He jumped through the roof at the combine. Or or throw Austin Safarian Jenkins over there at split in, as they used to do with Mercedes Lewis. And, and I mean, they, you know what I'm saying? They didn't need a 50-50 guy, you know, a, a solely 50-50 guy, as people are putting it. Uh, to make this offense click, you know, they they may do with, with using Mercedes Lewis in that role last year who got like three touchdowns in the end zone from just solely using him in that specific way. So you don't you don't need what I'm trying to say is you don't need to sign a free agent solely, you know, for for a guy that you can throw it up in the end zone and he's guaranteed to catch which, you know, Des Bryant is very good at that one of the best receivers in the game at that. But that's not a quality, uh, you know, worth solely bringing into the mix and, and paying him all the money like that uh, of just for that feature. You know, if Dez offered more than that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, then fine. Go for it. Or maybe if the Jaguars even had a, a veteran quarterback, like maybe they brought in um, Alex Smith or, you know, somebody that could adapt. To, you know, having a new receiver just thrown into the mix like Dez. Yeah, maybe I would say go for it. But right now, I mean, for for Blake Bortles sake, I don't think that's a a, a good idea. So that's where I'm at on that situation. To close the show up, I guess it would only be right to talk about preseason game number four. Although we're unlikely to see the starters in that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I believe is in the Tampa Bay um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's still the the show must go on, as they say, and uh, you know, at the same time, like just based off of the game Bortles had with the two interceptions, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Marone throw him out there for a series or two. But personally, I wouldn't do that and risk him getting hurt. You know, he is the number one, um, and, and he is the guy they want to go forward with. I mean, even though Cody Kessler has proven you know, to be a very good backup and a pleasant surprise, which, you know, we'll talk about that later, but I wouldn't even throw Kessler out there and risk him getting hurt, you know, like this, this game is solely, uh, you know, in terms of the quarterback, this is a game they should really use to find out what they got in Tanner Lee, which brings me to my next point Uh Tanner Lee up until this point, hasn't looked all that good, especially in the preseason game, you know, or the preseason games, should I say. And, you know, at times he's, Flashed in in practice you know he had a, a a good week or two uh during i think it was like last week or week before last should i say in um training camp i think it was around the time when fans were allowed to go so he, he did put a like a little small spurt of you know good practices together or a small span of good practices together um not that long ago but it hasn't really translated to the field is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, you know, Tanner Lee's not going to make this team as one of the, their three quarterbacks. They're going to roll into this with two quarterbacks in all likelihood. I don't blame them for not wanting to spend a third spot on, on another quarterback. Um, and especially if, if, if they were going to do it, it wouldn't be for Tanner Lee. Um, and, and this is a guy that you know, he, he in all likelihood he could make the practice squad, and they could use this game to see what they have in him to see if he's even worth stashing on the practice squad. So this is a guy that they drafted, um, and and they were high on it uh, was it the sixth round, um, and a guy that they liked because of his arm strength. Um, you know, and he had all the tools or all the measurables that they would like in a quarterback, but, you know, it just for whatever reason hasn't translated, but, um, you know, being that he's a draft pick, you know, I say, throw him out there the whole game, uh, see what he can give you, see if he's practice squad material. And if, you know, he has upside and can develop further next year or what have you, you know, I mean, that's, that was their plan, you know, is get him as a developmental guy. So Use this game to find out if he can be a developmental guy, kind of like they did Allen last year. You know, I think if I'm not mistaken, Allen played the whole preseason, uh, last preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. I could be wrong. Um, But, yeah, you know, use him in that manner, how they did with Allen last year. And, um, you know, see what you got in that young man. Um, I mean, really, there's really not all that much aside from Tanner Lee to figure out uh, with this final 53. Uh, And we've been saying that all summer. It's like, it's not a lot of battles per se to, to try and figure out. And at this point, you know, I think the Jags have their minds made up of who's going to be where on the depth chart, but since they haven't officially told us, I guess we have to, to approach it that way. And the next spot, I guess that would raise questions as to what they're going to do. There is the running back spot. And as we all know, Corey Grant and TJ Yeldon are battling for the number two spot. Uh, without a question and a doubt, Leonard Fournette is going to be the number one. Uh, but when you look at the preseasons that Yeldon and Lee have had, or Yeldon and, and Grant have had, and you also look at what they did throughout training camp, man, these guys have been neck and neck. And as you all know, me and Phil, and we're trying to get Jacob on the hype train as well, Our big TJ Yeldon fans. And as of, you know, last year dating back to last year when they you know where they weren't using him for the first like 6 or 8 games and then brought him in in Indianapolis uh when when they put him in against the Colts and he got that touchdown he took that and never looked back and he was healthy all throughout the season and he impressed i mean we saw what he can do in the um game against the Steelers in the in the playoffs and this is a guy since that moment uh against the Colts Jets has has done good things and that includes the preseason, and that also includes uh, training camp and whatnot. He's a guy that, just like Fournette, I don't know if they got together on this or whatever, but um, lost some weight. He's trimmed down to, like, I think he's under 220 now. And it it's actually showed, just like it's shown for uh, Fournette, and he's been impressive in the passing game especially. Yeah, he did have the one fumble when running the ball, which, you know, yeah that's always been a concern with him. But aside from that one fumble against the Vikings, I think it was, uh, Yeldon has been very impressive, as has Grant. And and Grant is a guy that, you know, we also like, um, I guess you could say we like Yeldon a little more. But, um, you know, Grant is a guy that I also wouldn't mind seeing at the number two spot. It, it really doesn't matter who they put at that spot for me. Either one would be a good decision. But uh, Grant is a guy that, you know he he got speed for days they don't call him tail lights for nothing came out of auburn um probably one of the fastest people on the team i think if if we're talking 40 times the the actual fastest is win and um it might be one more player faster than Grant. But Grant is, yeah, probably the third fastest person, hand time with with the forty on this team. And it's just beautiful to see what he does when they throw him the ball in the open. And, and even I'll make this argument, he's even looked a little better between the tackles than Yeldon has uh this preseason. So that might be what gets him the nod. Um I don't know if they're gonna necessarily go into this game and utilize either one of those two to try to figure out who they want to put at that number two running back spot. You would hope by now they got that figured out. Um, but it's a possibility that, you know, they might briefly throw them into the game. I wouldn't, especially with Yeldon's, um, you know, pass with injuries. But it's a possibility they might give these guys one more little brief crack, put put each one of them in for a series uh, and try and get one more look at them to see who they're going to put at the number two spot. But I think it sh- that decision should be decided by now. And, I mean, you, like I said, you can't go wrong either way. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, also, there is a battle for the number six receiver spot, as we talked about earlier. And that is because of the injury, the unfortunate injury of Marquise Lee. Um, as we all have uh, said on Jazz Wire often, the front runner for the number six spot was Rashad green. Um, but now that Lee is out, he's been basically boosted up to the number five spot. And I'm talking about green here. So that leaves the number six spot open. And right now that looks to be between Jaden Don Mickens and when, because of their Shane Win that is because of their abilities as punt returners and, I mean, you you could say Alan Lazard might be in that mix, but I don't think he is, even though he's flashed at times sometimes. But I don't think it's been enough uh, for them to give him the spot over two receivers that are versatile, that can help you on special teams as returners and as receivers. So I think Lazard is more of a guy they'll try and stash on practice squad. I hope that they can and they do. Uh, So he's the guy that I want to see more out of in the future and see how he develops But uh, with Mickens, you know, Mickens Mickens, uh, made the most of the situation, and it's maybe because he knew, you know, Lee went down and the Jazz needed somebody to step up. But he made the most of his game uh, week three against the Falcons. I think he had one catch for like 20 yards or so. Uh, Don't quote me on that, guys. I'll have to pull that up. Normally I have Jacob or Phil here to pull that up. I don't even want to. Uh, bother and pull it up right now. Call me lazy or call me whatever, but he did have one catch that was quite impressive. And and Miggins is a guy that has this off season. He's flashed in spurts, you know, like just as he did in the Falcons game. Um, I know a lot of people were praising him for his efforts in the um, the uh, the annual uh family night practice that occurs in in the stadium in TIA Bank uh, for his efforts in that game as a receiver. So like he, he has flashed throughout the preseason and the offseason and throughout uh, practice. Uh, so that that is why if you all saw my last updated projections for the Jaguars for the offensive side, that is why I gave him the nod alongside Green over Win for the number five and six spots but uh that see the only issue with Wynn is like I love Wynn and I think he should make this team but I think like the thing about it is as I just said with Mickens they've been using him as a punt returner and as a receiver we haven't seen them use Wynn to my knowledge as a punt returner we've seen him use as a receiver but that that versatility is what gives Mickens the nod over Win, And I would love to see Win in more punt return situations. I don't know why they haven't been using him in that manner, but um, maybe you know that that's why I brought this up is to say in preseason week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe they will use Win on punt returns um, and see what he does and, and give him one last chance to match what Mickens has done. And then maybe he can make this roster, but right now I got Mickens making it over him. And lastly, uh, you know, once again, if the the staff hasn't already made up their mind here, the cornerback situation uh, in terms of the guys behind Patman, because you you would have to think that, you know, of course, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye are going to make this team point blank, period. You got to think. Uh, with the money they paid uh, my man, DJ Hayden, he's a guarantee and a lot to make it and probably as the nickelback. You can't cut Tyler Patman, man. That guy's been amazing. And and the thing about Patman is he showed that he can line up on the outside uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. He held his own against Thielen. And, I mean, although, you know, he struggled that week during practice, he held his own in the actual game. And I think that is something that caught the Jags' attention because, I think like one thing that they been looking for in terms of depth at cornerback is somebody who who behind Ramsey and Boye can come in and start as a perimeter corner, um, not not more so as a nickel guy, but a perimeter guy. And Patman showed the ability to do that. Patman's one of my favorite guys on this team, and um, I think there's no way he can get cut. So that's four receivers, uh, or four um cornerbacks, should I say? So now you you got to make that decision. Do you want to keep six of them? And you would think the yeah, you would think the number five and six spots are you know uh, the are a battle between basically Trey Herndon and Quentin Meeks. Um, you know they very well could keep both of them, especially with um you know I think one thing that was telling is when they stashed Don Carey on um IR, and I think they did that to allow them to maybe keep six corners and just stick with four. For um, safeties, which we'll talk about later, um, not on this podcast, but later down the road. So, you know, that stashing carry, who's a cornerback and a safety, gives them the luxury to maybe keep six corners. So they maybe could keep both Trey Herndon and Quentin Meeks. I know the staff is very high on Trey Herndon. Um, I, I know um, Tony Khan and his analytics um, are, are very they have a they have a bunch of analytics on Trey Herndon uh, that they used, and, and that's why they wanted to bring him in as an undrafted guy. And I think like you know ton, Tony Khan is a big supporter of him, so you know you you got to think like they think he has a lot of upside. Although like I don't I've not I haven't really been that impressed with um, Trey Herndon in terms of what he's done in in the games. But I mean he did make some plays in the practices that me and the guys went to in the practices that I went to solo dolo. So, I mean, I can see where they're coming from, why they, they like him. He's a good practice player, reminiscent of kind of how Patman has done in practice. Uh, but I mean, personally, like I would put Meeks over him. Uh, but I mean, I could see why they would keep both of them. And that's, that's totally fine. Um, you know, both of them could play special teams and help out there. And, uh, you know, they can keep both and help help. Um, them to develop into the future uh, because there are two players with great upside. So, you know, I-, I guess the battle will really be who is number five and who is number six, as opposed to if they will keep both of them, they might just keep both of them, but which one is slotted over the other is what I'm trying to say is what they would use preseason week four against the bucks to decide. Um, and then, I mean, you, I guess you could put Jalen Myrick in that mix, but I think Jalen Myrick's time, with his team is unfortunately over the the two aforementioned cornerbacks Herndon and Meeks have outshined him in in every way and um you know that's unfortunate because I think Myra got upside he has upside should I say but um it's just a unfortunate situation where the Jags were kind of deep with undrafted corners and they were kind of deep at the end of the depth chart here and you know somebody has to go so Um, you know, Myrick doesn't really add any value as a returner. I know he has like four, two speed or something, some ridiculous like that, but, um, you know, he doesn't have, you know, that added value as a returner. So it kind of makes them, makes him replaceable for two guys that the staff really likes in terms of upside. So, um, I, I think sadly enough, uh, you know, Myrick's last game with the Jags might be, uh, this Thursday, I think it is against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I've talked you all's heads off enough. I feel like, and now um, it's time to bring this episode, this solo episode, to a close. Um, of course, once again, you all know where you can find this podcast. Um, in terms of a archives perspective, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, and on Audio Boom on the USA Today Network. In terms of the future projects that I'll be working on, of course, more roster predictions are coming up. Probably, what, three more. And then, yeah, I'll be done with those. But I'm going to do the defensive projections. I already did the offensive one today. Check that out on uh, Jaguars Wire. But I'm going to do a defensive one tomorrow for, you know, based off of what we saw against the Falcons. And then after that, of course, I'm going to do two more on offense, one on defense. To, um, you know, based off of what we basically saw in week four's preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And those will be my final two on both sides of the ball. So look forward to that. Um, Look forward to plenty of regular se- season coverage after that. We're going to be taking on the New York Giants week one. Might have our good buddy Josh Sampson on to talk about that. As um, most of you all know that follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's, that's like one of my right hand buddies. Uh, he's a guy, big Giants fan. Uh, he can come in and talk for their perspective as well as Eric too. Eric Serna, uh, who is on the wait for it podcast with Phil Giants fans as well as a Jags fan. He can talk on them as well. Uh, so, uh, look forward to that. We'll, we'll see, uh, which one of those guys is free and who we can get on. Um, and, uh, you know, check out, feel free to check out our other projects, as Phil always elaborates on. You know, feel free to check out the Wait For It podcast. Uh, I don't think he has any comedy dates coming up in Jacksonville just yet. But when he does, of course, we'll have him on here to discuss all of that. Uh, you know, Jacob's going to be helping, as he always says, uh, where he can. Um, Jackson as well, you know, probably more so with game day coverage. So uh, shout outs to them and shout outs to Coach Tris too. Who's um you know and right now he's uh in the middle of football season up there at Allen University coaching the guys up um being the offensive guru he is so all of that said that'll do it for tonight's episode thank you for tuning in as usual uh, follow me at sports Grind underscore don on Twitter and um to all of my people in Jacksonville and all our listeners uh be safe out there.